Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. The entirety of Plato's symposium is supposed to be speeches praising love. There's some framing material at the beginning that we've talked about, but the bulk of what's happening are these six, or actually seven once Alcibiades comes in, speeches that are in praise of something. Perhaps love, perhaps something else. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But everybody is given the task of praising love. Now, there's a lot of interesting things we can ask about this. How should love be praised? Why should love be praised? And we get that second one at the beginning. When they decide that they're not going to drink heavily during this symposium, this drinking party, but they're going to do something else instead, the suggestion is, well, we should talk. We should have a banquet of words instead of of dainties and, and liquor. So the question is, well, what should we talk about? And Eric Symmachus recounts this discussion that Phaedrus had, which is part of why Phaedrus is going to go first, where Phaedrus was complaining and saying, you know, people give speeches about all sorts of things. And they go through some interesting examples, even speeches about salt. The Greeks liked these epideictic, these speeches of praise, not just at, say, funerals or, you know, momentous occasions. It was kind of a thing that they did, talking something up. And Phaedra says, why hasn't anybody done any about love? Love is really important. Why have they avoided that subject or have they forgotten it? So Eric Simicus says, and everybody agrees, let's do that now. That's the why, because it hasn't been done and it should be done, right? Love is a great God. Love is this interesting thing that we are motivated by that affects our fates and destinies. And we don't completely understand. So perhaps we'll learn something in the process of all these really smart people talking about it that we didn't originally know. We'll get a better handle on things. And we'll also get to hear some great oratory as well. Now, it's a good topic for that particular group. Why? We see some cues about this in the text. Socrates, hearing about this topic, says, yeah, I can do that. I mean, it's one of the the few things I actually know anything about, love. I can talk to you all about that. Of course, later on, he's going to say, oh, you know, I think I may have overplayed my hand a bit, and we'll we'll see why that comes up. But it's not just Socrates who's well-suited to this. It's a lot of these other speakers as well. Pausanias has clearly put a lot of thought into at least legal regimes and how they affect the love relationship. We have a representative of comedy there, one of the greatest comedy writers in ancient Greece, Aristophanes, a poet. We have Agathon himself, who's just won the competition for tragedy. So he is the number one tragedy writer, again, a poet in Greece, well, in Athens at that time. We have Socrates representing philosophy. We have a technical expert in Eric Symmachus. And then we have a nice-looking, fairly smart, well-spoken, all-around kind of guy in, in Phaedrus. Presumably, there's some others that we don't actually know anything about. Notice, too, that Aristodemus is not going to give a speech in the course of this, even though technically he should have. He is the one who's recounting the story to us. 
But these are a good group for presenting this. We're going to get a banquet that has a lot of different dishes that are in different styles, quite varied, you know, counterposed to each other. You know, and these are also some of the heavy hitters in intellectual life in Greece. There's one other thing that makes it a good topic for this group, too. Some of them are lovers of each other. Very clear, Pausanias and Agathon have a long-standing love relationship going on. It's thought that Eryximachus is a lover of Phaedrus, who, by the way, you know, has other people who like him as well. We find out that Alcibiades has this very strange love relationship with Socrates, where Alcibiades, who bursts in at the end, wants to be the beloved, but can't get Socrates to come through on the deal the way that he's, you know, supposed to when he's being seduced. Alcibiades really pulls out all the stops, as he tells us. So Alcibiades is himself madly in love with Socrates. Socrates is the beloved and the lover at the same time. Aristophanes is actually the only person who is not in a relationship with somebody in the room. Except for, I guess you could also say, Aristodemus. Aristodemus is not a lover of Socrates in any sort of sexual or erotic sense. Now, what's really interesting about this, as we're thinking about this, how should love be praised, is that as the speeches go on, as you read through them, you're going to realize these people are criticizing each other and saying, look, buddy, you thought you were praising love, but you weren't really doing a good job on it. Let me see if I can do a better job and maybe explain a little bit where you went wrong. So Pausanias is going to, you know, Phaedrus is going to give this this wonderful little speech at the beginning, sort of, if we want to talk about this in culinary terms, really just an amuse-bouche. It's got, it's got a little interesting taste to it. It's rather conventional. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. Love is the oldest of the gods. Love is this great bringer of benefits. Pausanias says, Phaedrus, you, you know, you're doing a good job, but you actually left out a lot of the picture because love can be good or love can be bad. and I mean to praise the good love, not the bad love. But then let me tell you about all this other stuff. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Eryximachus is going to do something similar with Pausanias. He's going to say, Pausanias, you started out great, but you didn't bring your speech to a successful close. I'll take care of that for you through my art of medicine that I'm going to bring to bear. Aristophanes is going to criticize, really by implication, all of the previous speakers. He's going to say, before he tells his, his funny story, he says, If we'd known love as he truly is, surely we would have raised the mightiest temples and altars and offered the most splendid sacrifices, not utterly neglected him. So I'm going to take a different line than the rest of you, because I'm convinced that mankind, humanity, has not really had any conception of the power of love, which would mean these previous speakers as well. So Aristophanes is sort of claiming that he now is going to praise love the way that it ought to be praised. Agathon is going to say something similar. He's going to, he's going to tell us that, look, all of you have given it a good shot, but now I'm going to really praise love because I understand what love is and why he's to be praised. Turns out, <laughs> when Socrates starts asking Agathon questions, engaging in dialectic, that everything that Agathon put forward as, as something that he knew, he doesn't actually know. His whole speech falls apart. 
Socrates, before he gets into that, he says, man, you know, when I got into this competition or this, you know, rivalry or whatever you want to call it with you guys, I thought that I was going to come out on top because I thought that what we were trying to do here was actually tell the truth about love and praise love through revealing what love actually is, not just come up with a whole bunch of cock and bull stories about love, you know, that are fine spun nonsense, just rhetoric the way you guys have been doing. So Socrates is actually saying, you shouldn't be praising love that way. You should be praising love the way I'm going to do it. Now, how does Socrates actually do it? Well, he brings in this other character, the only woman in the story, Diotima. And Diotima at the very beginning is going to do the same sort of questioning with Socrates as he is doing with Agathon. That's why he says, look, I, I can help you out here of your puzzlement. I went through this, this whole same thing myself. Let me tell you about that time. Is Diotima telling Socrates that he doesn't have an adequate understanding of love? Uh, that's why I put a question mark here. Diotima, if we want to call it a speech, within a speech, Diotima is actually carrying out a process of what she calls initiation for Socrates. So I don't think that there's any sort of explicit criticism going on there, but there is an implicit criticism. Socrates, you don't actually know enough about this. Let me actually help you with this. I didn't put Alcibiades here because Alcibiades isn't there for the other speeches, so he doesn't really have anything to say about anybody else's speeches. But he clearly does his own thing, right? Now, here's the key question to ask yourself as we're focusing in on praising love. Who actually did praise love? Did the speakers praise love, or did they end up praising something else? Phaedrus, we could at least say, did praise love, right? He may have gotten some things wrong. But he started out with love and ended with love. I think we can say that Socrates and Diotima were praising love as well. They're doing more than praising love. They're trying to teach us or lead us through this whole ladder of ascent to the greatest of, of beauty. And they're praising other things on the way, but love is in there in the mix. It's not something that's great by itself. It's great because of what it leads to. What about these other guys? Is Agathon praising love? He certainly seems to be, but as it turns out, he doesn't really know much about love, so kind of the arrow misses the mark. What about Pausanias? Is he really praising love, or is he praising a certain type of relationship? I think that's the case. Eryximachus is not really praising love. He's really praising his art of medicine, and thereby the person who knows the art of medicine himself Aristophanes is, in a certain respect, praising love, but he's doing so through this very funny story, and he's displaying his own techne, his own art, his own abilities in poetry. So there might be a little bit of backhanded complimenting of himself involved in that. So not everybody is praising love, even though that's what they're supposed to be doing. So you notice this question, why and how to praise love, turns out to be quite a bit more complex in the symposium than you might first suspect. It's when we look at the speeches and we arrange them in relation to each other that we, we see how this actually works. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>